Last Sunday, we concluded a sermon series and we talked about death. And last Sunday, 60 people at Solid Rock, out of both two services, 60 people made a decision to make Jesus the Lord of their life last Sunday. 60. And I was, I, was, I was bewildered, I was shocked, I was excited, I was happy, but I was also thinking 60 people have been coming to church and they weren't true believers all this time. And so it led to the series we're starting right now. It's gonna be a very short series, maybe two, three, four weeks. Uh, but the title of the new series is Believe. And today in part one, I wanna to talk to you about eternity. Eternity. Um, I was gonna call it eternity, smoking or non-smoking. But I thought that would be a little bit offensive, so I didn't do that. So we're just going to keep it eternity. So here's the thing about eternity. Um, you know, most pastors in America, and I'm so excited y'all chose to come out of all the churches you could have chose to come to. You came to Solid Rock on Easter Sunday, which is very, very exciting. We're very humbled by that. We're honored to have you. You probably passed other churches that, you, that were closer to your house, but you came here. And so the goal for pastors on Easter Sunday in America is for you to like the pastor and for you to like the church service enough to come back week after week. That's really the goal for every American pastor on Easter Sunday. That is not my goal today. I do not care if you like me at all when you leave this place. Um, if you don't come back, you know, you know it's not gonna hurt my feelings or anything like that. I care more about speaking truth into your life today so that when you leave here, you know for a fact if you're going to heaven or hell when you die. Of course, I want you to go to heaven, but sometimes the truth hurts. So if the truth hurts you today, um, and, and, and what we're doing is we're going to read a lot of scripture, a lot of Bible. And if it shocked you that we're going to read a lot of Bible in church today, I'm sorry to disappoint you. There's going to be a lot of scripture. So if anything in the Bible offends you, you don't have to leave us a bad Google review. You can go to god.com and you just let him know what you think about stuff that he wrote, okay? I'm just the mailman. All I do is deliver the mail. If you open it up, don't, don't, you know, don't yell at the UPS guy, okay? He's just bringing you the mail. So, um, eternity. The, statistically speaking, right now, the death rate is at 100%. Um, so far, every human is, is going to die. Now, if Jesus comes back in your lifetime, then that won't happen for you. Um, but right now, there, there is gonna, something's going to happen at some point where you're going to end up somewhere for all of eternity. And uh, my question is, are you ready? Now, I want to give you a little uh, example just to kind of help you understand what eternity is like. And I have this, this extension cord. It's, actually, it's orange, which is a great color, by the way. It's, um, it's the longest extension cord in the world. It just keeps going out of this. It goes out of this building, and I bought it. It was very expensive, and it, and it wraps around the building three or four different times. Then it travels all the way through Myrtle Beach, through Conway. It goes all the way through Aner, and they've never seen the extension cord, so it's very exciting for them. And it just keeps on going. It goes through Florence, Columbia. It goes around South Carolina, around the U.S., around North America, around the world. 10 billion times, and it just keeps on going. It's the longest extension cord of the world. This extension cord represents your life because you're gonna live somewhere forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Now you see this little part on the end that you plug into the wall? This represents your life on earth compared to eternity. And who you choose to serve right here will determine where you spend all of eternity. Who, if you're still serving yourself and your will is to do what you want to do and you want to accomplish your dreams and life is all about you, then Jesus is not the Lord of your life. He may be your friend. You may know about him in your head. You may enjoy reading the Bible. But if he's not your Lord, you're not going to spend eternity with him 
for, for, for billions and billions of centuries of glory. So it's very important you make a decision in this amount of time. Now, all of us, this, this little amount of time, it's really good mathematically, whether you live to be 100 or whether you live to be 20, it's really the same thing compared to eternity. You understand? So I would hope that before you leave earth, you make a decision in this little bit of time. Now, there's an opening scripture, and it kind of tells us what we're going to do today. In 2 Corinthians 13, 5, it says this, we're supposed to test ourselves. Now, it doesn't say I'm supposed to test you as your pastor. It doesn't say your parents are supposed to test you. It says you're supposed to test yourself to see if you're really saved. So, in other words, the test is some people think they're saved, but they're not. So, there has to be a test. It says if you pass the test, you'll discover that Christ is living in you. Otherwise, it says you're counterfeits. Now, I don't know if you know what counterfeit means. So about a year ago, me and my family, we were at a nice fine dining restaurant in Myrtle Beach. And I took all the kids out. And, you know, my adult kids are there. We're having a blast. And um, a friend of mine who plays here in church with us was playing an instrument there at the restaurant. And um, I didn't have any cash to tip him. And I just felt so bad because I used a card, you know, to pay for dinner. And I just walked out and told him, hey, it's good to see you. And I just felt so bad. So I get out to my car. And I was driving my General Lee at the time. And someone had left a note on my car while I was at dinner. It said, thank you for being such a great pastor. And it had two $20 bills taped to the car. I thought, what a blessing this is that somebody would do this for me. You know, how exciting is that? So I thought, you know what, God, I'm going to go back in and give it to my friend from church that's playing this instrument. So I take the two $20 bills, I put them back in. I said, I just wanted to bless you, put it in this jar, and I leave and go home. When I get home, one of my five children, I won't tell you who it is because that'd be wrong for me to tell you who it is. His name rhymes with attack, but one of my five children... <laughs> When we got home, he said, Dad, um, what'd you do with that money that was on your car? And I said, how did you know about that? He said, uh, I saw it whenever we were leaving. I said, I went, took it back inside and gave it to my friend at the restaurant. He said, you did what? I said, I gave it to my friend. He said, Dad, Dad, you can't do that. It's counterfeit. I said, did you leave this on my car? He said, yeah, it was a joke. I said, son, you'll go to jail for this. <laughs> Pastors, kids, you know, we're so great. I said, I can't. I said, now I got to call the guy from church. So I called the guy from church. I said, listen, this is your pastor. I owe you $40. Please tell me you did not spend those two $20 bills that I put in your jar or else the FBI is going to come looking for you. He said, no, I didn't. So he threw them away and I got it. Okay, so here's the point is it was counterfeit. Now, I've seen $20 bills all my life. I had no idea looking at it that it was fake. But if I had had a real $20 bill, something that I knew was the real thing, and I put it right next to it, and I examined both sides, it would be obvious that the counterfeit was counterfeit and that the real one was the real one. You understand? So when we test ourselves to see if we're really saved and we're not counterfeit, we have to put an example before us to see if we have Jesus Christ living on the inside of us. Now, the religion is a counterfeit salvation. Um, um, thinking about God and knowing God in your head is a counterfeit salvation. Trying to be a good person to get to heaven is a counterfeit salvation. Um, um, God speaking to you and you think that's why you're saved. He spoke to Pharaoh. He speaks to Satan. That is counterfeit salvation. Jesus being the Lord of your life shows if you're saved or not. So we have to test ourselves. Now, when it comes to the test, what should we compare our life to? Let me give you some examples and you say yay or nay. Should we compare ourselves to what Hollywood says gets you into heaven? We could do it because you know all these movies about afterlife and if you try to be a good person, we could let Hollywood decide. Um, what about, oh, I got a good one. What about our feelings? What if we feel we're saved? Let that be the test because obviously our feelings have never lied to us. In fact, some of the best decisions we've made in life are based on our emotions, right? <laughs> 
Okay, I got one. What about your heart? What if I asked you, in your heart, are you saved? Would that be the answer to say if you're going to heaven or not? No, because the Bible says your heart deceives you. Now, if you don't think your heart can deceive you, let's go back 150 years to people who lived in America who called themselves Christians, but they owned slaves. Or 100 years ago where there was racism in the heart of all these people who go to church on Sunday and they think they're going to heaven. And yet the entire Bible is about how you treat people, love God, love people. And they were so deceived. They were counterfeit. All this time they thought they were saved. And they, of course they were not saved. So what, what do we, we have to use something that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We have to use something to test ourselves that cannot be manipulated or deceived. We have to use something that's not gray, but black and white and a little bit of red. What do you think we should use to test ourselves to see if we're saved? We're going to use the Bible, the Word of God, right? That's the answer to tell if you're saved or not. So as we read the Bible in a little bit, you can't get upset if the Bible has something in there that says you might not be saved. If you do get upset, just take it up with God, okay? Okay, so I have three points for you today. They all start with the letter H, and we're going to start with some good news. So number one is this, heaven. Heaven. Uh, 54 of the 66 books in the Bible talk about heaven. Uh, Jesus mentions heaven 70 times in the Gospel of Matthew alone. Genesis 1-1 says God created the heaven and the earth. So listen, if heaven is real, if earth is real, then heaven is real. Because the same book teaches about both. The same God created both of them. Hebrews 11.10 says Abraham was looking for a city that has fixed foundations. Revelation 21.21 says there's streets made of gold. Heaven is a physical place. If we're not gonna, if, why would he create a street if we're just going to float around everywhere? Now, you can travel at the speed of thought, and I can prove that to you biblically when you're in heaven. But there's streets. We're going to be walking, and we're going to be talking. So if we're going to do that, we need physical bodies in heaven. There are heavenly bodies. We, we just, when you're a believer, you just switch bodies whenever your heart stops beating on earth. Philippians 3.21, he'll change our weak mortal bodies and make him like his body. Now, Jesus' resurrection body, he was still on earth for a little bit in that resurrected body. His resurrected body, he ate in his resurrected body. That means in our heavenly body, we're going to eat. There's a digestive system. Everybody said, thank God for food. Um, Jesus talked in his resurrection body. There's vocal cords. We're going to talk and communicate with each other. Jesus traveled through a wall in his resurrected body. We're going to be able to travel at the speed of thought. We can go through things. Um, Jesus wore clothing in his resurrection body. Just look at the person next to you and say, thank you, Jesus. There's clothing in heaven. Thank you, God. <laughs> Matthew 8, 11 says this. I'll assure you many will come from everywhere. We'll sit down and enjoy a feast. With Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we're going to eat. We're going to ask David, what was it like to kill Goliath? We're going to ask Mother Mary, you know, when Jesus was a baby and he didn't want to take a bath, did, did he sit on top of the bath water or were you able to push him all the way in, you know? <laughs> what was it like raising Jesus as a baby? Luke 15, 7 says, I tell you, there's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who changes the way they think about God and lets God change their heart than 99 people who don't even need to. This tells me in heaven they can see what's going on. They can actually see what's going on on earth because when one person comes to the Lord, they rejoice more than any other time they rejoice in heaven. That tells me they're very concerned about your life. Now, they're not concerned about if Starbucks had your favorite drink or not today. They're not concerned if your boss offends you or you're not getting paid what you want to get paid. They're not concerned with that at all. They're concerned about this. Have you submitted your life to Jesus Christ so you can live with me in heaven for all of eternity? That's what they're thinking up there. Luke 19, 17 says this, the kingdom of God or heaven is like this. Well done, my excellent servant, because you've been faithful with little. I'll make you governor over 10 cities. There's so many places in heaven for you to serve. 
And it's based on how well you serve Jesus on earth. Now, here's the funny thing. We read this and we get excited thinking, you know what? I can't wait to get to heaven so I can serve and I can do things for God and I can worship and all these great. Hear about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Listen, if you don't enjoy doing that now on earth, you're not going to enjoy it in heaven. In fact, if you don't have a heart to do that on earth, why do you think you're going to heaven? <laughs> if you don't like serving the body of Christ now... And you don't serve with excellence and faithfulness and your heart isn't for Jesus and worshiping and all these things we're going to do in heaven for billions of centuries. If you're not doing it now, why do you even want to go to heaven? <laughs> you know, you can have heaven on earth. You can explain, of course, we live in a fallen world and we have flesh patterns. But do you know what? The things we're going to do in heaven, you can actually do a lot of those things on earth now. And if you don't enjoy it now, you think you're going to enjoy it. You think this after you die, then your heart changes, right? You live for yourself, you build your own kingdom, and then when you die, you're like, now that I'm in heaven, now I'm going to serve God's people, and I'm going to be over things, and I'm using my gifts and talents, and I'm going to hear about the word of God, and Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and now I'm going to spend time with Jesus now that I'm in heaven. Why don't you do it now? Amen. This is what heaven's going to be like. <clears throat> or maybe you get to heaven, and after about a million years, then you decide, okay, now it's time for me to serve God. It doesn't work like that. It's based on your life on earth. And I'm not saying the good deeds, they don't get you to heaven. It just shows that you're already saved. It's, it's the fruit of your life that shows you're saved. So point number two, here's some bad news. Point number two is hell. Hell, I'm going to try to scare the hell out of you in a second. So listen real close. <clears throat> the same book that teaches us about heaven is the same exact book that teaches us about hell. The Bible mentions hell 167 times. Jesus preached about hell 33 times in three and a half years. That's once a month Jesus had a sermon about hell. You probably would not have attended his church much. What's the sermon about today? Hell? He just preached on that last week. Last month I heard about hell. Why did you, you know the two subjects Jesus preached about the most were hell and money? Very interesting. Why do they do that? Well, number one, money is the number one thing the enemy uses to steal your heart away from God. Money can be your idol in life. And of course, we know there shall be no other idols, right? God is the one true God. Well, the reason he preached about hell is because he didn't want anybody to go to hell. So if he didn't want anybody to go to hell, why did he even create hell? Well, listen, hell wasn't created for us. John 14 says heaven was created for us. Matthew 25, 41 says hell was built for the devil and his angels. They weren't made for us. It wasn't. Do you know the Bible says hell has had to expand, not by <clears throat> design, <clears throat> but by necessity. Because more and more people choose to reject God and they choose to live for themselves. Like I said earlier, if you don't want God in your life now, why do you think you're going to want him after you die? Matthew 10, 28 says your body and soul is destroyed in hell. Now, on earth, we, our body has a special mechanism to where when we reach a certain level of excruciating pain, we pass out. The body that you get in hell does not have that mechanism in it. It is constant pain all the time. In fact, I, I wrote a book called Hell No, and it's in Barnes and Nobles. What a cheap plug that was. And we have it here for sale too. But when I was researching for my book on Hell No, I, I remember I, I read about this couple that they witnessed a horrible car crash, like a three, four car pileup. One of the cars caught on fire, and the people that were inside were trapped inside, and they ended up burning alive. But the person that saw it happen, the witness said this, they had never heard vocal cords make the sound that those humans made when they were burning alive. It was the most excruciating, horrible sound you could ever imagine. Matthew 8, 12 says that hell is like outer darkness, blackness, where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. There's no light. Jesus is the light of the world. There, you'll never see or talk to anybody in hell. 
Revelation 14, 11 and 2 Thessalonians 1, 9 says the smoke of their torment ascends forever. There's no intermission, no rest, no pause, no peace. They'll suffer punishment of eternal, that means forever, destruction, separated from the presence of the Lord. Is it shocking? They wanted to be separated from them on earth. They didn't want to be with them on earth. Separated forever. Every person in hell has had this thought. After I've been here for one billion centuries, I will have not one less second to be in this place. <clears throat> it is forever. So why in the world would God send anybody to hell then? Wait, listen, God doesn't send anyone to hell. People choose to reject God, and our default for being born into this world is hell. It says in Romans 1, 19 through 21, that which is known about God is evident and made plain in their inner consciousness because God himself has shown it. Let me just tell you what that means. That means that since you've been alive on earth, God has spoken to you probably a zillion times. He has probably tried everything he can to reach you from friends, family, pastors, your conscience, everything he can to try to get you to turn to him. And he's trying day after day after day after day. It says, ever since God created the world, his invisible qualities, both his eternal power, his divine nature, have been clearly seen through what he's made. You, you can't look at the sunrise or the sunset and not know there's a God. The mountains, the oceans, the trees, the animals, yourself. His handiworks so that people, listen, they have no excuse at all. There is, no, there is nobody in hell that was not given a 100% true chance to turn to God. Not one, or else God would not be a just God. Everyone in hell had the same chance that you have right now. Every single one of them. Matthew 7, 13 says this, Enter in the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to hell. And there are many people who enter through it, but the gate to life is narrow, and few people find it. Okay, mathematically speaking, mathematically speaking, what is more, many or few? Many. Okay, the Bible just said there's more people in hell than in heaven. This is one of the saddest scriptures, I think, in the Bible. There's more people in hell that's what it just says right here, then in heaven, more people. Now, judging by most funerals, everybody's in heaven, right? You see that guy, man, he was a jerk, he stole, he, could, you know, he was just living an adulterous life every day, he didn't care what anybody thought. And then the preacher gets up and says, he's in a better place now, and we just thank God that he's in a better, he's not in a better place, he's exactly where he wanted to be. Separated from God all this time. Now, you think this, you know what? I have somebody in my life and I really want them to turn to Jesus. So here's what we should do. If I could just pray <clears throat> for God to show them heaven. In other words, if God would just give them a glimpse of heaven, then this person would turn from their ways. They would make Jesus the Lord of their life. You know, Lucifer lived in heaven and he, he had a perfect life. God never abused him. God never did him wrong. He had leadership and authority in heaven. Yet not only did he rebel, but he taught one third of the angels into rebelling with him against God. And he saw heaven. Well, if God would walk and talk with me, then I would really believe that God is real and I'd really give my life to him. Well, God walked and talked with um, Adam and Eve. They had a perfect life. Everything that everyone, every dream, everything was given to them. There was no health problems. They had no worry. There was no anxiety. They didn't need money for anything. They had everything. They walked and talked with God, but they chose to disbelieve God and believe what Satan said. Literally, that's what they did. They simply believed what Satan said rather than God. Well, if God would just come to earth and if he would do a bunch of miracles like, you know, supernatural things and, you know, maybe if he maybe raised people from the dead, then I would believe. 
He did. He came to earth for 33 and a half years, and he was never rude, arrogant, prideful. All he did was serve. He washed the feet. He did so many supernatural miracles that the last scripture in the Gospel of John says, if they were all written in the books, not every book in the entire world could contain the miracles that Jesus did while he was on earth. And the Bible does not exaggerate. He did so many miracles. He was so good. He was a perfect person, and yet we rejected him so bad we crucified him and hung him on a cross. God gives everybody a chance. I got one for you that you've never thought of. Well, if Jesus would come to earth and if he would reign for a thousand years and be in charge of the whole planet, then I'll surrender my life to him. Guess what it's going to look like after Armageddon? Here's the future. Revelation 20 verse 8. After the thousand year reign of Jesus is over, Satan will still deceive people into following him. If somebody does not want to submit their life to Jesus Christ, listen, there is nothing God can do. Well, why, would, why would God even, you know, why would he even allow the choice? Why not just make everybody go to heaven? Because that's not what love is. Love gives people a free will. Imagine me telling my wife, honey, I love you so much and I love spending time with you. And I strap her to a chair with duct tape and I tie a rope around her and I don't let her leave. And I say, don't you enjoy this time spending with me? Don't you just love me? And she goes, ah! that's not love. When you force somebody to do it, when you make them choose you, how horrible would it be if you were married to a robot that could not love you and that could not choose to be with you? That robot was forced and programmed to do what you wanted to do. That's what a lot of people want. They don't want it for themselves. They want it for everybody else. Now, when it comes to me, I want the free will to eat Krispy Kreme donuts as much as I want to. I don't want God getting involved in that. That's the year, you know, don't make me a robot. You know, that, that, free will always gives a choice. God always gives a choice. So now we're going to get into the good stuff. Okay, point number three is this. Because the question is not, why would God send someone to hell? The question is this. Why would anyone reject a loving God? And let me say this too. <clears throat> Every single person who is in the heavenly family of God right now, they already made a decision to be in the earthly family of God. Everyone who's in heaven right now, they made a decision to already be in heaven while they were on earth in the family of God and serve God and give their life to him. And now they're simply doing the same thing they were doing on earth. Point number three is heart. Remember, they're all ages, heart. Now, the two most popular scriptures in the Bible, Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, now, it doesn't say friend, by the way. I just want you to see, it doesn't say savior. It doesn't say healer. It doesn't say really good teacher. It says Lord. Now, just in America, we don't use the word Lord a lot. Lord means you don't get a say. If your Lord says, you know, to clean your room, you clean your room. Or if you don't, you say, I'm so sorry, please forgive me and help me do better. Right? If your Lord says, this is how you live, this is what you do, this is how you treat people, this is what you do with your money, this is what you, how you treat your body. And when your Lord says it, if, it, if he's your Lord, you don't, you don't get a say. There's no arguing, there's no, well, maybe I can manipulate him and let me do what I want to do. It's either you do it or you ask forgiveness, but you don't do it. If someone's your Lord, if someone's your Lord. Now, if you're the Lord of your life, you can do whatever you want to do. It says, and believe in your, <clears throat> well, I wish you didn't say that word. It would be so much easier to, if salvation was believe in your head. Because we all believe in our head that God's real. We all believe in our head that Jesus rose from the dead. It would be so easy if it just said head, then we could kind of do what we want to do, right? But your life shows what's in your heart. The way you act shows actually what's going on in here. That God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. I love the word whosoever. 
You know, people think that, that, that this group, this heavenly family, that is exclusive. It is the most inclusive group in the entire universe. <clears throat> we will take anybody. We'll take homosexuals. We will take Muslims. We'll take Buddhists. We'll take murderers, liars, cheaters. We'll take anybody. You can have such horrible things that happen in your life that you are being hung on a cross and, and Jesus will still take you to heaven with him. Whosoever believes, now that's the thing. Whosoever believes. I don't care what your battle is or what you've done. If you choose to believe in him, you won't die. You'll just switch bodies. You won't perish. You'll have everlasting life. So there's a big difference between believing in your heart <clears throat> and believing in your head. And I want to kind of give you an example to help you understand this. So um, does everybody see this balloon right there? Everybody see that balloon? Now listen, you can, there's a balloon. Okay, so listen, don't get shocked at what I'm about to do, okay? It's not a real gun, it's a BB gun, okay? So I already told our security team, I haven't lost my mind, I'm just trying to give everybody an example. So, everybody know the BB gun, right? A little Red Rider BB gun, we're good, right? I know not to aim it at anybody, so okay, here's how we're gonna do it. I'm just kidding, okay. So, how many of you, um, with show of hands, how many of you believe, I mean believe beyond a shadow of a doubt, that I can hit this balloon and bust it on the first try with this BB gun. Okay, not many of you. So let me tell you about my life. Let me tell you a bit about me, okay? I grew up in Sakasti, okay? I drove a pickup truck all through high school with a CB antenna. My CB handle was 007. I was a felon by the age of 17 years old, okay? Yes, right. I got kicked out of Soxty High School in ninth grade for bringing a knife. I was going to stab the guys that were bullying me on the last day of school. Thank God I got caught. I got caught beforehand and, you know, got arrested, blah, 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 whatever. <laughs> and then, um, <laughs> then I went to Calvary Christian School in 10th grade. I got kicked out of there. And then I went to another private school and it was just a bad. Okay, so now let me ask you again, okay? <laughs> How many of you believe I can blow this balloon up on the first try? Okay, I'll just say there. Now, listen, I smoke Marlboro Reds, not, not, not the sissy light stuff, you know? No, we wanted cancer right away. We went straight to the whole thing. My, every pair of jeans I had in high school had a circle right here on the back, a big old circle where we, you know, we dipped. Yeah, okay, so listen, I can. So, how many of you believe? Okay. Okay, everybody that had their hand raised, let me see your hand again. I need someone to hold the balloon with their mouth. Okay, come up here and hold it with your mouth. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Let me tell you, this guy believes, he's a believer, he's a believer. All right, just for fun. Okay, good, okay, okay, okay. Listen, <laughs> that guy's going to heaven. <laughs> okay, listen. It's one thing to believe in your head, but your life and your actions shows what's inside of your heart. Do you understand? You can believe in your head all day long. That is counterfeit salvation. That's not the real thing. In fact, let me show you. James 2.19. Do you profess to believe in the one and only God, but then you're complacent? You said you believe in God. You actually said you believe it in your heart. You're saved. But you sit back complacent. Even the demons believe. And listen. You know what they do? They tremble. What do you do with the name of God? They actually tremble. They won't surrender their will to God, but they believe so strongly it actually makes them tremble. What does believing make you do? Let's just go through some things. Your body, you're serving God in your body, 
You know, are you moral or are you pure? Um, what about your gifts and talents? You give them to God, the building the kingdom on a regular basis. What about your money? Does that show you? What part of your life is saved? <laughs> what, what, your head's saved? So your brain's going to heaven and that's about it? For, now, I'm going to read you a scripture. Now, before I read you the scripture, okay, before I read you the scripture, the first, four word, the first four words say, be not, do not be deceived. Okay, do not be deceived. Anytime you see something in the Bible that says, do not be deceived, it means in Greek or Hebrew, do not be deceived. Okay? It means that there's a chance you could be deceived or God wouldn't say, do not be deceived. You understand what it means to be deceived? You owned slaves 150 years ago. You think you're a Christian. Your heart's filled with racism. You think you're saved. You, you understand what it means to be deceived, right? You think it's counterfeit. Don't be deceived. I'm about to read you a scripture. Don't be deceived. Okay, you ready? Don't be deceived. Because I'm going to read you something, and you're going to think, you know what? That's not true. You're deceived. You're going to think, ah, that doesn't make sense. You're deceived. Don't be deceived. Okay, don't be deceived. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10. Don't be deceived. Neither sexually immoral nor idolaters, that's money or anything you put before God, nor adulterers, that's just regular sex outside of marriage, nor homosexuals living the lifestyle, nor thieves, the Bible says when you don't tithe, you're a thief, you steal, nor getting drunk on a regular basis, nor slanders, you know, profanity, complaining, something out of your mouth, will inherit the kingdom of God. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. That is what some of you, this is one of the best words, were. But you were washed, sanctified, and justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of God. Now, you listen real close. If you still want to do these things on a regular basis, you're going to hell because your heart has not changed. Now, we all fall. We all fall. But when you're saved or when you're married to somebody and you hurt them incredibly bad, you say, please forgive me. I don't want to do that again. And then if you do it again, you go back, I'm sorry, I need you to. So if you will change your mind, which means repent, God will change your heart. You can't change your heart. You can't make yourself uh, want to not do these things. Now, listen real close. If you don't do these things, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that you're going to heaven. Okay? Doing good doesn't get you to heaven. Doing these things doesn't cause you to go to hell. This is a test to see if your heart has changed. So do not think if you try so hard to be a good person and not do this, you're going to heaven. No, 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 no. You don't need to have to try. When God changes your heart, you have this desire to serve him. You have this desire to forgive your enemies. You have this desire to walk in purity. It's inside of you. And anytime you don't do it, you have this horrible sense of remorse. I can't believe I hurt you. I know that what you want from me is life and my way is always death. God, please forgive me and help me do better. Do you, you understand the difference between loving somebody and loving yourself more? That's, that's really what it is. It's likened to marriage. Imagine me saying, I love my wife and I want to spend eternity with her, but I slander her on a regular basis. I get drunk and I abuse her on a regular basis. I steal from her on a regular basis. You think, you don't love your wife. You're deceived. Why would you want to spend eternity with her? You keep hurting her. You, you're with me. Everybody with you know, looking shocked. <laughs> Matthew 3, 8 says, produce fruit that is consistent with repentance, proving a change of heart and conscious decision to turn away from sin. Here's what this is saying. The fruit of your life shows if you're saved or not. Let me tell you, listen, the fruit of your life shows if you're married. The fruit of your life shows if you're a good employee at work. The fruit of your life shows who you love most. The, I mean, the fruit of your life, that's the test. That is the test. Now, before I conclude, 
I want to show you what Satan's heart looks like. So you have something to test yourself with when it comes to Satan. And you know what the heart of Jesus looks like, right? Serve the body of Christ, you know, worship, love, give, surrender your life and your will. And we know the heart of Jesus. Let's look at the heart of Satan and then we'll test ourselves and see which one we're more like, okay? Isaiah 14, 11 through 13, God said this to Satan. You are now in hell and here's why. You said in your heart. Notice he didn't even say it out loud. It's a heart issue. It's always a heart issue. I will ascend into the heavens. I will raise my throne above the other angels. I will sit enthroned on the mount of the crown. I will ascend above the top. I will make myself like I will do whatever I want to do. If I want to do it, I'm going to do it. If it makes me happy, I'm going for it. I'm going to live any way I want to. If I want to build my kingdom, I'm going to do it. If I want to be over this person and not let them control me and I'm not going to submit to them, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do what I want to do. Now, this is in theology, this is called the Adamic nature. Because, it's, you know, Adam was on earth and we, we come from Adam and the sins passed above. Adamic nature. But in reality, I like to call this satanic nature because Satan was actually the first person to sin. Or the first being to sin, right? So, do you have a satanic nature? Or do you have Christ living inside of you? Really, the test is not that difficult to find out. Now, here's the good news. If you find out you have a satanic nature, all you got to do is submit your life to Jesus and say, change my heart. Give me a love for you. I promise you he'll do it. Help me overcome in this area. I don't want to live in sin. I don't want to live this way. And you may battle some things the rest of your life, but when you fall, you say, God, forgive me. Please help me change. Because you love him more than you love yourself. Before salvation, the most important person in my life is me. After salvation, the most important person in my life <clears throat> is Jesus. You can do what you want to do, or you can do what Jesus wants you to do. The choice is yours. So what does it mean to be saved? And, and, and I want to just say this to you. Um, I'm about to close, but if you don't have a church, give me six months. Just six months. Try this place for six months. If your life hasn't changed dramatically, if you don't have confidence that you're going to heaven and that you, that you have a great relationship with it, just give me six months. Six months where you pour into this family, you pour into the kingdom of God here, six months, if every area of your life doesn't change, we'll give you your money back. And we'll send you, know, I'll, I'll, I'll send you wherever you want to go, you know. <clears throat> Matthew 16, 24, if anyone wants to come with me, just so you know, <clears throat> salvation costs the same for all of us. It costs us our life. We either, we, 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 we either die today to self and give him our life, or you die when your heart stops beating and you go to hell. Either way, you're going to die. <clears throat> if you die today, then you just switch bodies when your heart stops beating and you're in heaven. If anyone wants to come with me, let him deny himself, his own interests. Uh, interest. Take up his cross and follow me. If you want to save your own life, you're going to lose eternal life. But if you give up your life for me, <clears throat> you will find life everlasting. Um, giving your life to him and surrender to him, that, that's the cost. Let me tell you what the reward is. The reward is you get what he wants you to have rather than what you wanted. And what he wants for you is so much better than what you want for yourself. So much better than what you want for yourself. I'll close with this story. So when I was, um, I was 20 years old, <clears throat> 22, 23 years ago, and I, and I bought my first house 
And um, I was married. I had two kids at the time at 20 years old, first house. <clears throat> it was the smallest house in the neighborhood. We were so excited. It was like 900 square feet, you know. The, the bedroom was the size of a bathroom. It was a cute little house. And in front of us, there was this huge two-story house. In front of us was the biggest house in the neighborhood. And one night, it was probably 8 or 9 o'clock at night. It was dark. I was in the backyard with my, with my older son at the time. I think he was uh, four years old, three years old. And we were about to go to bed, and I smelled smoke. I thought, man, the smoke is... And I started seeing the kind of billow in the air. And so I ran around to the front of the yard, and the two-storied house in front of me, right in front of us, was completely on fire. I mean, the windows were busting and the whole, I mean, there was fire out of every single window and door in the house. I immediately, I called 911. I started screaming for the neighbors to get up. And as I ran across the street to see if anyone was trapped in the house, as soon as I got to the front lawn, I could feel the most intense heat you've ever imagined. I mean, it was scary. <clears throat> I was screaming, is anybody in there? You know, and all of a sudden, the neighbors, who we knew, we knew them very well, their kids play with my kids, they pulled up in a car. You know, they're frantic. And I said, is there anybody in the house? They said, no, nobody's in the house. I said, thank God. You know, fire truck gets there and, you know, they put the fire out and there's nothing left of the house. If you went home today <clears throat> and you saw that your neighbor's house was on fire, none of you would think, you know what? Somebody else will call 911. Somebody else will run over there to see if there's someone in there. None of you would even think this. <clears throat> I'm just going to pray for them. I'm just going to pray <clears throat> that there's somebody trapped in that house. They get out before they die. Let's just all just gather hands and just pray. You know, none of you do that. You would immediately run over there just to see. Maybe nobody's in there. Maybe there are. You would do whatever it took. Okay. Your neighbor's house is not on fire. But your neighbor could be. Your spouse, your children, your parents, your friends, the people you love the most, if they have not surrendered their life to Jesus Christ, they will burn in hell for all of eternity. My encouragement to you is this. Do whatever it takes. Do whatever, and do it in love. Do whatever it takes. Don't wait. Don't wait till next Sunday. Don't wait till tomorrow. Today, send the text. Give the phone call. Now, listen, again, God gives everybody a chance. Some people, no matter what you do, they're not going to do it. But you do your part. You do your part. You've heard the truth today. And don't believe what I say. Don't let, I am not the final authority. Do not, don't leave this. You can leave this place thinking I'm crazy. It's fine. You go to the Bible. You read it for yourself. You read it for yourself. <clears throat> And I encourage you today, please, if Jesus is not the Lord of your life, do it today. Amen. Okay, heads bowed.